This is James Coover with K-State Research and Extension's Wildcat District with your Extension Crop Report. Last year, all across the state, K-State Extension held a wildly successful series of programs that focused on farm finances. Over 600 came together in groups over 30 locations to learn in a four-part educational series. This year, we are bringing it back but changing the topic to risk management. In this area, the four to five part series will be held in Independence, Gerard, Fort Scott, and Iola. Here are the program organizers, Robin Reed and Lavelle Windsor to talk more about this program. So this will be at 36 host locations across the state. We did try to look at the map across the state for the locations and make sure that there, nobody would have to drive too terribly far to a location. January 12th, we will focus on enterprise budgets, as I mentioned a moment ago, especially with input prices. And then we'll have a hands-on activity that will be done at the location. The next week is January 19th, and the topic that night will be crop insurance. There will also be a local topic on the 19th, which is about around stress and resiliency. The third night will be January 26th, and that night we will focus on crop marketing. And um, so that will be how to market your crops, futures, basis, cash prices, things along those lines. And then the local topic for January 26th will center around family communication. The fourth night will be February 2nd, and that will be uh, focused on farm bill programs, ARC and PLC. Really, as you can see, these topics all work together and they will build upon one to the next night. And so it's really important that people do attend all four nights so that they get the the full value of all of that together. Main four sessions really focus on cropping enterprises. So we're going to come back with an optional fifth session on February 23rd that goes over these same topics, but for a beef cow calf herd. So we're gonna be talking about enterprise budgeting, cattle marketing, and then insurance options all that same night. So you can actually register right now. The easiest way is to go on our website, agmanager.info under the events section, and you're looking for the Women in Ag Risk Management Series. There's a link to register there. You don't need to pay until you arrive the first night of the series. The $50 registration fee will cover all your meals and program materials if you register before the end of the year, before December 31st. You know, risk management is always a really important topic on the farms. And when we were ending out the initial phases of this program a year ago, I don't think that we would have realized exactly what we were encountering today. We do have higher prices than we've had for quite a long time. But of course, there's been quite a whipsaw of up and down movement in the prices. But on top of that, we also have inputs in an almost unprecedented time, prices being so much higher and then maybe even the lack of of availability. And so we really feel like risk management will be just a valuable um, session for people to, to participate in. Please register soon at agmanager.info or call us at your local extension office. You can reach me at 620-724-8233. This has been James Coover with your Extension Crop Report. Next up, we'll have Wendy Powell, Livestock Production Agent for the Wildcat District. Hi, this is Wendy Powell, your Livestock Production Agent with the Wildcat Extension District. 
While some industry employees are protected by OSHA regulations of safety in the workplace, livestock producers and ag workers are often left to their own devices for safety. I thought I'd share with you a few tidbits I've recently learned. To conquer the daily chores of chopping ice, putting out hay, looking for that newborn calf or lamb, movement is necessary. Did you know there's a strategy for dressing in layers to prevent cold stress? Wear at least three layers of loose-fitting clothing for superior insulation. An inner layer of wool, silk, or synthetic material like polypropylene will keep moisture away from the body and hold more body heat than cotton. A middle layer of wool or synthetic material will provide insulation even when you get wet. And then an outer layer for wind and water protection to allow some ventilation and prevent overheating. Clothing that is too tight will reduce blood circulation. Warm blood needs to be circulated to the extremities. A knit face mask to cover face and mouth is recommended and a hat that covers your ears. According to the OSHA website, a hat will help keep your whole body warmer by reducing the amount of escaping body heat. Insulated and water-resistant gloves and boots protect hands and feet. If there's potential for soaking through layers, like when you have to clean out a water trough, bring along spare gloves and jackets. Cold stress occurs by driving down the skin temperature and eventually the internal body temperature. When the body is unable to warm itself, serious injuries or permanent tissue damage and death can result. Think trench foot, frostbite, hypothermia. Some risk factors for cold stress are dampness, dressing improperly, and exhaustion. These factors can lead to other health conditions like hypertension, hyperthyroidism, even diabetes. Poor physical conditioning can add to this stress. Increased wind speeds cause heat to leave the body more rapidly commonly known as the wind chill effect. Dampness, even from body sweat, also facilitates heat loss from the body. While out doing chores, be sure someone knows your feed route plans. I can think of numerous scenarios that cause concern for livestock producers caring for their animals. Feed trucks put into neutral to cut net wrap or chop ice can roll. Thirsty critters can bump you into the freshly exposed water source. Slips and falls remain on the top of the list for injuries. Be sure farm vehicles are up for the job of cold weather chores. Keep an extra towel or blanket handy for warming up newborns. Don't take risks with low fuel levels. You never know when you need to go out searching for an animal that prefers to stay in their warm spot. Caring for animals in cold weather is incredibly important as their energy needs are increased and fresh water is necessary for their survival. For more information, give me a call at the Labette County Extension Office, 620-784-5337. Thanks, Wendy. And now, here's David Scrantz, Natural Resource and Diversified Ag Agent, with her report. This is the David Scrantz, one of the Agriculture and Natural Resource Agents for the K-State Research and Extension Wildcat District of Crawford, Labette, Montgomery, and Wilson Counties with your K-State Research and Extension Report. During cold weather, it is a priority for producers to keep their animals safe and warm. In addition to providing animals with food, water, and a shelter where they are able to get out of the wind and or rain to stay warm and dry. However, for young animals and animals that have recently given or are about to give birth, extra considerations should be taken to make sure they stay warm. 
To provide an extra source of warmth, straw and or shavings can be provided and heat lamps can be used. While heat lamps and straw or shavings can keep animals warm, the combination also increases the risk for barn fires. The chance of barn fires caused by heat lamps can be reduced if precautions are taken. There are many factors that affect the quality of a heat lamp, and if the heat lamp is poorly made, it can lead to an increased chance of it causing a fire. Short, thin cords, poor connections to the fixture, unreliable attachment points for hanging, and just general cheap construction are factors that reduce the quality of the heat lamp. The first tip to help prevent a fire caused by a heat lamp from starting is to use quality made heat lamps. The heat lamps that are made out of heavy duty plastic and are fully enclosed will help prevent the chance of a fire starting if the heat lamp were to fall and break. How the heat lamp is installed is also important. While it is convenient to hang heat lamps up with baling twine, it is safer to hang them up in a more permanent fashion using chains and if possible, hang them where livestock cannot reach them. In addition to using a quality made heat lamp and installing the heat lamp securely, use hard glass bulbs. Stay away from using bulbs that are made out of thin glass as the hard glass bulbs are less likely to shatter and break if the heat lamp were to fall. In addition to the heat lamp, bulbs, and installation of the heat lamp, there are other precautions that can be taken as well, including making sure to use a quality breaker box that is designed to trip the breaker if the heat lamp were to spark. You can also install a smoke detector in the barn to alert you of smoke so the fire can hopefully be caught before it gets out of control. And it is also important to keep a fire extinguisher in the barn so if a fire does start, you can hopefully stop it from spreading. From the K-State Research and Extension Wildcat District, this has been a Dave and with your K-State Research and Extension Report. Thank you, Adavin. And now, here is Jesse Gilmore with his report. With K-State Research and Extension's Wildcat District, this is Jesse Gilmore bringing you this week's edition of the Hort Report. After celebrating Christmas and seeing the pine needles on your Christmas tree begin to fall, many people are stuck with a dying tree. What do you do with a slowly dying pine, fir, or spruce? After the holidays, many municipalities allow old Christmas trees to be placed curbside. Trees are then collected by the city and ground up for mulch or burned. If you miss the designated date or your trash collector doesn't accept trees, there are several alternative options to prolong the useful life of the tree. An old Christmas tree can be used to benefit birds, fish, and the landscape by placing it in a corner of your deck and spreading some bird seed nearby or tying it to a deciduous tree or post near a bird feeder. The birds benefit from having escape cover nearby when hawks or cats threaten, and the dense boughs reduce the effects of wind chill on a cold night. Sinking your Christmas tree into a pond is an easy way to improve fish habitat and fishing. The tree serves as a little coral reef in that the branches provide substrate for water plants to grow and cover for minnows and other forms of small aquatic life. Larger fish are drawn by the shade and the presence of prey. How do you sink a tree? Tie the base to a cinder block with a short, stout rope and toss it in. 
Just be sure to get permission from the pond owner first. Using the little tree around the landscape requires clipping off all of the branches. Use the boughs to add extra insulation around semi-hardy perennials or to trees and shrubs that were recently planted. The leftover trunk may be used as a garden stake next spring, or cut and let it dry for a few weeks and you will have some easy lighting firewood. Just beware that most conifer species tend to spark and pop more than hardwoods, as resin pockets in the wood make tiny explosions when heated. This can delight the youngsters, but for safety's sake, keep an eye on the fire when burning Christmas tree logs. Also, do not transport pine firewood. The pine sawyer beetle can spread pine wilt to susceptible populations through transportation when moved from one place to a place where the pine sawyer beetle is absent. Extension of a Christmas tree's useful life depends on selection when looking for a Christmas tree. Ease of use and length of life are inversely proportional. The bigger trees that are taken early will keep longer because they hold more moisture, but are harder to use once they end up losing a lot of that moisture. If looking for good uses for Christmas trees once they've dried out a little, it might be recommended to pick a smaller tree closer to the holiday season so that less moisture can be lost. Avoiding placing small trees near heat sources like fireplaces, wood-burning stoves, or heat ducts is one way to prolong the life of smaller trees that would otherwise lose moisture very quickly. For more information on today's topic, contact your local Extension office. I can be reached at 620-724-8233 or by email at jr637 at ksu.edu. Once again, this has been Jesse Gilmore bringing you this week's Hort Report. Thank you, Jesse, and thank you for listening to K-State Research and Extension's Wildcat District Ag Team on KGGF 690 Radio.